Genesis chapter 18, starting at verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get you something to eat so you may be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well. They answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near under the tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh, but he said, yes, you did. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sisters and brothers in our Lord Jesus Christ, as the weather gets warmer with the May 2-4 weekend behind us, it's difficult for us not to be captured by the beauty of the creation all around us. After spending the long weekend at the All-Ontario Youth Convention myself, I spent much of this week sitting around in my backyard, uh, doing nothing much more than watching the plants grow. It is amazing over these past few weeks to see how in such a short time a garden transforms completely from dirt and sticks and to buds and then to shoots and then to vibrant, colorful flowers. Over the next couple weeks, I'll start actually working in my garden, and many of you I know have already started working in yours, digging in the dirt, laying down mulch, rototilling a little patch to plant some vegetables in, pulling weeds every day, day after day, every day always weeds. 
Most of us do at least some sort of gardening work uh, throughout this season, even if it's as simple as mowing the grass on the lawn. When I did my internship in Listowel, though, before I came here, I lived with a couple out by Conestoga Lake who did a type of gardening I had never seen before. On a small farm on Line 87, this farming couple had what they called a tree garden. And it was amazing. There's this whole wooded patch that ran along the entire side of their 100-acre farm, complete with a walking trail, a little brook, and houses for birds and bats throughout the forest. And Joanne, the, the woman who tended this tree garden, would wake up every morning and walk through her tree garden, grooming, cleaning, weeding, looking for saplings growing up from acorns or nuts or those little helicopter things that had fallen throughout the forest and deciding whether to pull them up or to let them grow there. Her tree garden took daily attention and care. And after 30 years of working on her tree garden, it was a magnificent experience to walk through it. The speckled sunlight breaking through the leaves, the loamy smell of the soil, the towering cathedral of wood and bark and leaves. It was beautiful. The Belgic Confession, one of the three confessions which Reformed Christians hold to be faithful summaries of scripture, tells us that creation is one of the primary ways that God reveals himself to his people. One of the primary ways that God makes himself known to us. And anyone who has been captured by the majestic beauty of a sunset or the northern lights or the awesome natural geographical formations that we find around the world can testify to this truth. Creation teaches us the majesty, the creativity, the bigness of our God. The Belgian Confession says that the universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are like letters that make us ponder the invisible things of God, God's eternal power, God's divinity. God reveals himself to us more clearly, of course, in his holy word, through which we learn how it is that God saves us through his son, Jesus Christ. But even in God's holy word, the authors of scripture prompted by the Holy Spirit recognize the power of creation to turn us to things of God, the power of creation to enliven our imaginations, to understand God in new and different ways. Throughout the Bible, we see the incredible imagery of the natural world used to point us to God. Jesus is the living water. God is the rock of our salvation. Faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. The trees of the fields will clap their hands. Even in scripture, we see God revealed through the natural world. And so throughout the summer, we're going to be doing this series of uh, looking at passages in the Bible that have to do with trees. Kind of fun. I'm excited about it. From the cedars of Lebanon to the broom tree, from the oaks of Mamre to the thorn bush, from the tree of life to the cross.
Throughout scripture, the Holy Spirit inspires human writers through these natural images, and trees take on a powerful symbolic importance throughout the Bible. And so we begin today with the story of the hospitality of Abraham, which takes place at the Oaks of Mamre. Our translation calls it the Great Trees of Mamre. And this is an important detail because trees in the Middle East are symbols of power, symbols of life. The climate in the Middle East is very different from the climate here. Here we have trees everywhere because we have water everywhere. You walk down the street in my neighborhood and every single house has a towering 80-foot red maple in the front yard. Every single house. That's how fertile our climate is. Anywhere I walk in my neighborhood, I can enjoy the shade of trees. But in Israel, in the Middle East, this isn't the case. Especially not in ancient Israel before the irrigation technology that we have today. It only rains a couple months of the year. And so most of the country for most of the year is dusty with these little brown shrubs poking up out of the ground that the, the sheep and goats eat. And so when there's this big tree growing up, apparently out of nowhere, that's because it has really deep roots that have struck on some underground source of water. And these trees are really incredible. I remember this uh, a, a year ago when Pastor Amanda and I went and toured the Middle East. We went and visited Petra in the country of Jordan. This whole city carved into a stone mountainside. And we walked up to the high place in Petra, which is this great big mountain of rock. And as we're walking up this mountain of rock, brown, dusty rock, there's this magnificent tree growing straight out the side of the mountain over our heads. And for a moment, we have shade in the oppressive heat of the sun. And our tour guide made us stop and consider the majesty of this tree, the wonder of this tree, the beauty of this tree. In the ancient world, he told us, this would have been a site of pagan worship, this tree. A person walking up this mountain in the ancient world would have been stopped in their tracks at the sight of this tree, at the sudden appearance of shade. There is divine power at work here, they would have said. So let's build an altar and let's worship the God who makes this tree grow strong so that that God might make us strong and fertile like this tree. And that's the kind of place where Abraham is today in our story. At the Oaks of Mamre, these powerful ancient trees growing strong in a dry and weary land. This grove of spreading trees offering shade to protect weary travelers from the hot sun. We learn in Genesis 14, just a couple passages earlier, that Mamre is a person. Mamre is an Amorite, one of the rulers who Abraham joins in battle against the five kings of the north. It'll take you a little while to find. It's like one in a long list of names. But Mamre clearly is a powerful individual. And these are his great trees. And by allowing Abraham to live here, Mamre is giving Abraham an important responsibility in his world. 
Because people would have stopped at Mamre, they would have stopped at this great grove of trees as a resting place on their long journeys through the wilderness to rest and also to worship. So Mamre gives Abraham this important role of hosting travelers at this pagan shrine. And so here we have Abraham, chosen and called by the one true God who created heaven and earth, serving as a host at a pagan shrine, a site of pagan worship of false gods, where people come to worship trees and pray to them to make them strong, to give them safe travels, to make them prosperous and productive and fruitful. And you can see how ironic the story is there. Because this is where God shows up and reveals himself to Abraham. This is where God comes to visit the man who he has called, who he has chosen. The God who created the trees comes to visit his chosen servant as he tends to a shrine where people worship trees as gods. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham looked up and saw three men. Abraham runs out to greet them. He makes them a meal. He tells Sarah to quick bake a ton of bread. And the creator of all things sits in the shade of the trees he created, which people worship as gods. In this shrine of pagan worship where people would have offered food and poured out wine to these trees, which they thought would bless them, the Lord of all sits down and eats cheese and milk and beef and bread while Abraham stands under this tree. And in the presence of these false gods, these great trees to which people would have prayed for wealth and for children and for safety, God renews his covenant with Abraham and Sarah, renewing his promise to his chosen servant of a child with a great inheritance. It's no wonder Sarah laughs at the irony of it all. Creation is a beautiful and a powerful thing that reveals God to us in a special way. But too often we fall into the ancient trap of worshiping created things as the creator, of putting our trust in things that God has made, in things that we have made, rather than putting our trust in the creator of all things. We hold as ultimate that which is created. When properly understood, however, creation points us God. The trees point us upward to heaven. All things should lift our eyes to the one who created them. These waters point us to the blood of Christ. The bread which we break and the wine which we drink at the Lord's table points us to the sacrifice of Christ. The wood mounted on the wall behind me points us to the salvation that is ours in our Savior. 
By these waters, God teaches us that we are adopted as daughters and as sons of the Lord of all things. Through the bread and the wine, God reminds us that we are nourished, refreshed, and sustained by his body and his blood. By our fellowship here, we are all reminded that we are branches grafted in to the one true vine. Members of the family that bears the name of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These created things point us to something greater than ourselves. They point us to the God of Abraham, to the Lord, the great I Am, by earth and heaven confessed. We bow before his holy name forever in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, let us pray. O oh Lord our God, for the beauty of your creation, for the wonder that it inspires in us, for the glory with which you show us who you are through the things that you have made, we thank you. We give you praise. For you alone deserve our praise. Lord, we pray that you would help us always to remember who it is who created all things, that we would put our trust in you and not in the things that you have made, not in the things that we have made. We pray that you would help us to recognize your presence among us, that you would help us to see the places in which we have turned the things that you have made into gods, and that we would have the eyes to see the places where you come to visit us as you visited Abraham and renew your promises to him. Lord, bless us, we pray. Transform us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, so that on the day that when you come to meet us again, we may be ready and we may know that you are God. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who reigns together with you and the Holy Spirit, one God.